Good evening. Welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. You're here with the Coach of Monsters Inc. Guy, a.k.a. Bear. And as always, I'm joined by Catfish. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good. Good. Feeling pretty pumped for this week. Uh, finally had a good round. Big green arrows last week, so I'm pretty happy. So for, for those who are tracking my team, the team name is Washed Up Catfish. Uh, but don't don't feel so washed up this week. Finally, it really turned in a, a decent round. So I scored 13.37, and that jumped me up over 1,000 spots. So I'm now sitting at 1,447th, uh, which is not bad. Um, like I said, preseason goal, top 500. I'm 198 points from that now, and just 72 points out of the top 1,000. So I'm, I'm coming, coming home strong. So good signs for me. And you, you had a pretty decent week too, didn't you? Oh, uh, yeah, I'd, it, it could have been a lot better. I tried to get a little bit cute in a couple of areas and um, sort of backfired on me, especially considering the players I originally had in outscored the guys I ended up playing by heaps. But I got 1,234, and that was good enough to get me up four ranks from 107th to 103rd. So um, definitely still in it for a top 100 finish, which was... Well, it was my adjusted goal. I wanted a top thousand finish, but um, yeah, now definitely want to be in that top hundred at the end. And but, you're still uh, not too far from top ten, which I mean, it it might seem out of the realms of possibility, but only three hundred and three points. So one big yeah. round from you, you could really jump up there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the other the other thing about it too is that. With with everyone having stacked teams, I'll get that, and everyone saying the teams are exactly the same. You still have to like, uh, you still have to choose the guys you want to play in your seventeen. So if if you make a few like a a choice between Fafita and Tapau, that could gain you a few points on the occasional week. So there's still definitely a way you can make up points. Three hundred and three is a lot, but um. Yeah, there's 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 definitely still ways you can make up make up ranks. So that's just one downside of having a twenty two or twenty three stack team is you have to decide who you're going to leave out every week. Yeah. And I think that's something we're both struggling a bit with this week, isn't it? Yeah, we just had a quick chat about it before we came on. So yeah, that's well might take advantage. I I won't be going with some of the players I picked, I'll get rid of them, but um some of these strong guys yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see which way people lean in the coming weeks. But there's been a big move on the Battle of the Wednesday podcast. So do you want to fill us in on that one? Yeah. So uh, after you know last week where the SC report guys they really caught up. They they cut into that lead a fair bit, uh, and and it was getting a little bit closer. Uh, we still felt confident, but after just one week, I mean, back to six hundred six hundred fifty six points between us now. So. Off the back of you know both you and I going pretty well, so we're on thirty eight thousand forty, and the SC report guys are on thirty seven thousand three hundred eighty four. So uh, unfortunately, a sub twelve hundred score from Wenin and a sub eleven hundred from JT. So bit of a rough week for both of them boys, but there's still plenty of time to go. And I mean, if you're trying to catch up three hundred points to 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 make the top ten potentially, uh, you know obviously they could both catch up three hundred points on us and um, close that six fifty six gap already. But I mean, privately, JT uh, waved the white flag already, but who knows? He, he may be trying to lull us into a false sense of security. <laughs> Keep the foot on the throat. That's it. Uh, uh, we'll do a, just a quick uh, shout-out to some other guys in our group. We've got Benjamin, coach of two in a row, and Marie, coach of Bacon Me Crazy, currently ranked at 33rd all overall. So um, congratulations to you two and keep pushing to the end. 
All right, so we're just going to jump straight into the hyped trades for this week. So the first name I'm going to talk about is a little bit controversial because I feel like there's a lot of people saying to trade this guy in and a lot of people actually saying, no, don't don't go with him at all. So uh, right now, obviously, about 3,500 trade-ins. We've got Daily Cherry Evans. So he's real cheap at the moment, 484,300. Obviously, he's halfback only, and he's got a break-even of, uh, break of just 29. And he's at pod levels at just 8% ownership. So, I mean, what's your thoughts, firstly, on DCE? I, I like the pod level at 8%. Is Break-even's fine. though. You don't, by this stage, you don't really care about break-evens. You're just after the points. And um, I'd, I'd like daily Cherry Evans more if he was goal-kicking. He's got a good match-up this week, but no, nah, I'd, 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 I'd probably give him a miss. Yeah, and I guess... You know, we talked last week about right now the, the standout is actually Mitch Moses. And I, I know I get that plenty of people are jumping on. And obviously another week, great week at Plank West and more people are jumping on already. Uh, but look, looking at guys like DCE, sure, he's off the back of a 90-plus score. Uh, but the no goal kicking is a pretty big difference. And the other thing I'll throw in the mix there is the fact that Tommy Turbo uh, wasn't in the team last week, rested again. And, I mean, I, I took a bit of a deep dive into the stats. So... Just get ready for, for me to throw numbers at you right now. So right now he's played five games uh, without Tommy Turbo from the start of the season. And what I've done is I've actually adjusted for taking out the goal kicking. So in those five games, he's averaged 65.6 points per game. Um, so I did remove one of the games where he only played for about 48 minutes. Uh, he actually got injured. So I've not counted that. But yeah, so 65.6 points per game in the five games without Turbo. So that's 65.6 without goal kicking, right? And in the five games he has played with Tommy Turbo in the team, again, I've taken out goal kicks, 59.8 in those five games. So there's already a bit of a difference there. But one thing to really note is that in those five games with Turbo, there's a 156 score in there. Or if you take out goal kicks, 132. So that's obviously, you know, fair play. He's got this massive score in there. But if you take that one score out, and I'm not a fan of doing this normally, but his other scores are 47 or 40, uh, 39 without goal kicks, and then he's got a 50, a 24, and a 54, uh, which is obviously not great. So that's a 41.75 average in those other games outside of his 156. So that one 156 score skews him to get to 59.8 points per game. So it's a pretty big jump. And, like, you know, obviously the numbers weren't great, but I then took a closer look. And in those four games that he's averaged 41.75, he's actually got four try assists, a line break, and four line break assists in that four-game stretch as well, which I think that's a... It's not like he wasn't doing anything in there. He was quite involved in the attack. So, to me, that's quite alarming when I broke the numbers down, and it's just reinforced my decision. I'm definitely going to stay away from DCE uh, because, yeah, there's just a huge gap between how well he played without Turbo on the team, taking away all the attacking opportunities, uh, and obviously how, how well he's gone with Turbo in the team and obviously being a focal point in the attack. So I don't know if that's just gone straight over your head because I've just overloaded you of numbers, but yeah, does that change your thinking at all? No, like, I, I, I get you don't like doing the, oh, he taken out the big score because he actually scored it, and I get that, but I, I think you have to in those instances, like, you can get outlier numbers for a reason, and if you put all your faith into them getting 150 while the other scores keep showing up, 
you're not really backing a winner. So, yeah, no, I it wouldn't. It doesn't change my mind. It, like you, you don't even need the stats to see that when Tommy Turbo's on the field, a lot of the attack goes through him. Like he gets early bore and he either runs it himself or he puts pressure on the outside second rower, centre and fullback to make a decision to come in and stop him. And he either carves them or he throws a nice ball to his winger or centre. So, yeah, I'd if he had the kicking and if Manly had a good run home, different story. But without the kicking, I don't think he's an option. Yeah, I'm firmly with you there. So, obviously, the next name uh, we'll talk about is Tommy Turbo, actually. Two and a half thousand trade-ins at the moment. So, he's he's worth a lot. 768,500, uh, obviously, full-back only. Break-even of 40, 22% ownership. So, I thought that'd be a high, much higher number. You know, if, if only 22% own him, only two and a half thousand trading him in. Uh, either there's a lot more dead teams than I expected, or people are struggling to be able to afford him, or they're choosing to... I would say unwisely to go without him. I mean, if you don't have Tommy, you've got to get him in this week, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I I don't get why three and a half have got Daily Cherry Evans and not going for Turbo. It's it doesn't make much sense to me. All I can think of is they might have Teddy and maybe RTS. But even if I had RTS this week, I get that they're playing a pretty weak Shark side, but. He only got a 30 against the Titans, too, and he, he's not playing in New Zealand, so... Uh, well, he is. He's not he, tam- playing at he's, Mount Smart. Yeah, yeah, he's not at Mount Smart, where their record isn't as good, so uh, I'd be trading him straight to Turbo. I, I, I pr- would probably place more importance on Turbo than Teddy as well. He just... Teddy will be sharing some attack around where everything seems to be going through Turbo, so that 22% ownership, I, I can't believe it. I think it will have a bit of a spike next week though yeah i mean he's played five games so we get there's obviously that injury issue so far this year but average of 102 in those five games and that's with him playing well it's really 102 in four and a half games because he only played half of one game in his four 80 minute games 113.5 is his average and he's only played at brookvale once this year and he scored 167 so <laughs> this is the second game sunday afternoon should be sunny as i as i understand it I, I mean, he's a he's a standout captaincy option, to be honest. So, yeah, um, I'm glad I've got him in the team. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, same. And the third name, uh, third most traded in so far, is actually Manu Mo. Uh, obviously, 543,000, second row center wing, dual position, break even 42, just 7% ownership. I'm really happy that I've owned him since um, prior to round 12. Got on him nice and early. I mean, since he's moved to the back row, average of 66 moving sorry when i say move to the back row move to the edge back row spot outside mitch moses um he's averaging 60 uh in just base and base attack obviously back rower uh, helps with that as well but yeah obviously he's getting involved in the attack as well he scored some nice solo tries and he's got the offload going as well so now I'm, I'm really glad i'm an owner and I, I would say he's definitely put himself into you know top three center wing discussions alongside latrell and bateman at this stage do you see him as a must-have, though? If 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 you were at the pointy end, I think he's a great addition to your side because he he's got he's got that good floor and the way the eels are attacking, he's a good chance to jag some attacking stats as well. So um, I could see you running him and Bateman 
as two guys that you could just ke- rely on for points wise. If if you don't have him yet and you're running low on trades, I'd probably and you're trying to catch up in particular, I'd probably prefer a guy who has the much higher ceiling. So like a lot of those Fergo, Latrell, guys like that who have that try scoring potential who can get your massive scores. I'd I'd prefer guys like that with that massive ceiling if I was chasing points. Yeah, that's a fair call. Um, I guess that the the other alternative is, is maybe you just want to pump out regular, um, consistent points in the centre wing and actually go for pods in other areas like your halves and your, your five-eighth position or even some of your back row spots if you want as well. So I guess that's the, the other way you could look at it. But I certainly agree. I mean, we talked last week about how half-back and centre wing is definitely the best place to pot up. Uh, and, and as you say, going for the high-ceiling guys is certainly more appealing if you are trying to chase down uh, points in one hit. Yeah, and I, I get that. Like, And centre, I just think with centre two being one of the spots where you really want to pot up to and it being one of the most volatile, he he is safe. And, I mean, you can't really I, – I can't see many people trying to um, take too many pot options in the second row because you, you see the guys that are consistently scoring and it's it, it's too risky to go without them, I feel, whereas in the centres, that's where I think you've got to take your chances. Your halves as well, but, I mean, you look at that and it, it's getting a little bit smaller. I, I I can't see people taking a pun on a lot of those halves. Everyone seems to be getting Moses, and it'll be like a Moses and Cleary or Moses and SJ, and then your Ponga, Munster, or Walker. So I just I just feel that the centres is where you're going to do it. And if you're chasing big points, I don't, I don't think Mo's going to get it done for you. I think um, you need one of those real high-scoring guys. Top yeah. uh, top of the table, t- totally different story. It'd be you'd want to be playing it safe as, and I can see why you'd get him in, but not chasing. Yeah, no, I think that's very well reasoned. Absolutely. So in this segment, I, I normally we only focus on trade ins, but I thought it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about the trade outs. Two most traded out players this week is actually Britton Nakora and Isan Masters. So I mean, I I still own Nakora, and I think you do as well, don't you? Yeah, I'm going to hold him through to the end as well. I'm not sure he's a... I can understand why people are doing it with how his form's been the last couple of games, but you can probably put that down to a number of factors. The Sharks overall haven't looked too good. And um, I just feel the Sharks have got a decent enough run home. They've got a decent enough team that they'll want to be pushing for a, a, a spot up the ladder to give them a best shot at a home semi, and um, as long as, uh, even without SJ, I think he's a good enough hole runner that he'll um, turn it around at the back end of the season. It, it is taking a pump because I have said before, Murray with a, uh, with a new starting position at lock. The core is the same. He's a young guy. He hasn't had a lot of pre-seasons under his belt. He might be getting tired towards the end, but he's got a little bit of less work out on an edge, so... Yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy people are selling him and he could become a a pot option there if if you hold him. So Yeah. I think I, with, when you say a pot option, it's just a lot of people actually just sitting him. They're not they might hold him as a backup, but a lot of them are a lot of people are basically not put, putting him in seventeen at all. So Yeah, fair enough. I, I can un, I can understand it, but I I just won't be one myself. I think I'm going to 
I'll probably be playing him weekly, or at least based on decent matchups the Sharks have. Yep. I think I'm with you there. Just again, bit of, did a bit of stats research. So he's played nine games with SJ at halfback, average of 62.3 points per game in those nine games. Uh, in six games without him, 55 average. Uh, but obviously it's worth noting the last four games where he's had SJ there, he's only averaged 47.8. So yeah, definitely a bit of a drop. Uh, the base has definitely dropped. But you know, even he was never really outstanding base-wise. Even at the start, he was getting consistent line breaks all through it, and uh, I think you know you'd back SJ to be able to get get back to working with him to put him into those holes again, like he was earlier in the season. So moving on to the next guy, and that's obviously Masters. Uh, I've heard, you know you've probably heard a lot of people raging at him. He didn't have a great score again last week. I mean, the only good score he's really had for quite some time is the one where he uh, was most needed, and that was around 16. So obviously the people who held him patiently for the Bible were, were rewarded. But I, I see a lot of people just keen to sell him. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? I I can see I can see why the appeal's there, and out of those two, I'd probably prefer to trade Masters. Just the Tigers aren't as good as the Sharks, and I think they're going to miss the eight. So it comes down to that get as many good players on a team that you think's going to score as many points or the most points. And yeah, I think the Tigers might be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. I think, I mean, the thing with Masters is like you heard early on, he was managing an ankle injury or some sort, uh, which was affecting him and affecting his goal kicking. Uh, You've heard rumors of him never actually wanting to goal kick in the first place. If you break down his season again, first seven rounds, he came out on fire average of 51.4, just in base and base tax stats. And he was averaging 7.1 points in goal kicks over those seven weeks. So basically, his floor was 58.5 points per game, just in his base and base attack and his goal kicks. And that obviously coincided with his average of 65.6. So he didn't really have very many attacking stats at all. Uh, since then, the last nine games, his base has dropped from 51.4 to, to just 31.3 in base and base attack. And he's actually, his goal kicking has gotten better. He's averaging 7.6 points in goals. So that's, um, you know, a floor of 58.5, dropping down to 38.9 in the last nine games. And over these nine games, he's averaged 49.7. So the gap between his base and his um, his floor and his um, attacking stats has actually gone up in the last nine games. But he's just, he's, he's dropped pretty much almost 20 points a game in his base uh, and base attack and his goal kicks combined, which is massive. So... Uh, with that work rate gone and with the fact that he may have now lost his goal kicking uh, to Moses Mbai, uh, who took over for him halfway through the game last week, I reckon, yeah, Masters, you've got to get rid of him. And um, unless you see some sort of sharp jump in his base and base attack again, he's not an option for the rest of this season. All right. So we normally have obviously a section where we look at some of the cheap options. I mean, surely there's no point of that anymore. So we're just going to focus on talking about well the focus of today which is going to be looking at you know the the final trade sorry the looking at your final squads so a couple of questions came in today uh so from at the crimson chin at j shub 85 and at rodney gibson seven and they all kind of relate to the idea of well what are we prioritizing now are we prioritizing finalizing our teams our squads or you know how do we balance that with the trades we have in hand so I guess we'll start off with the question from at the Crimson Chin. He says, if there's a squad of 20 to 22 players, 
what are the minimum number of trades you want to have? Uh, I guess uh, for the for the run home, I would suppose. So, the, I mean, f- firstly, there's a big difference between having a squad of 20 and a squad of 22. So I think that's probably something to acknowledge first. And for me, I guess that it also depends, you know, really in your squad of 20 or your squad of 22. I mean, how much cover do you have in each position, right? Yeah, and, and how much cover you have, how, like, other things go into it too, like how many plays you have, like from the Storm, you've got Munstead, you might have um, Smith. Are those guys going to be rested? Will Cook get a re- uh, Cook get a rest if the if Souths are in the top four, but no shot at making let's say first or second, or you've, yeah, all those sorts of things. Players who've been under a a, a big workload, will they get will they get a rest too? Like yeah, oh, Batemans if he's got an injury, Teddy Turbo, will they get another break? And it all depends. It looks like the ladder's pretty close, so a lot of them will probably get pushed right through to the end. But you do see sometimes at the end those top teams that are pretty safe might rest a player here and there just to keep them fresh for the finals. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if you again, if you're talking about a squad of 20 versus a squad of 22, the, 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 those two extra players I think is pretty big because I think they they would represent, you know, being able to have anywhere from, say, at least two trades less or even, you know, maybe even four trades less because the reality is, is, you know, you're probably burning at this point anywhere from three to four trades to be able to upgrade or, or downgrade guys to be able to get an extra one or two guns into your team. So I think, you know, ultimately, if you're looking at 22 players versus 20 players, uh, it definitely is a bit of a difference. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about scoring the most points you can each, each week. And the sooner you have a strong, you can, your strongest possible seventeen, the more points you're going to score each week. I mean, that's pretty, pretty obvious, basically. Yeah. Uh, so to me, I think you know, if you've got limited trades, but you don't have Turbo, you don't have Teddy, you don't have Cook. I mean, it goes without saying. I think you just got to burn the trades to get those guys in. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, look, it's not ideal because you might end up struggling if these. Let's say Turbo does go down again for the rest of the season. It's going to really suck to have almost 800 grand sitting on your bench, not being able to do anything with it. But uh, I guess you know you got to think. Well, what is more likely that if you bring in Turbo um, or or Teddy or Cook, that they're more likely to play the rest of the season, or that they're going to suffer a season-ending injury, uh, and that you're not going to have them? And you know, it turns out that not getting on them ended up being a genius move. I mean, the reality is, is these guys are going to play more likely than not. Uh, and I think it would be foolish to try run home without those, you know, those top shelf options. And obviously we talked at length about who we thought they were last week. So I don't know if that really helps. Cause like I said, the difference between a squad of 20 versus a squad of 22 is pretty significant. So for me, I mean, potentially I might have a squad of 23 after this week and I would have just two trades left, but I mean, squad 23 means I've got potentially six guys who could fill in if I do suffer any injuries to uh, my, my top 17. And I've got cover at hooker. I've got cover at both my halfback spots. So both my halfback and 5-8 spot, I've got cover at fullback. So cover across the board. I've got dual positions all over the place. Uh, I mean, I've got my center wings run six deep. My second row forwards run 
you know, five deep in my front row forwards run three deep. So I think the the way my, my team's structured, it means that I, I definitely can have that cover if I need to. And that's why I only have two trades left potentially after this week. So for me, I think that's, I guess, how you probably would look at it. Whereas if you've got just 20 guys, uh, that uh, that means you've got your top 17 and just three other players. So that means you're probably short at either one of your hooker, halfback, five-eighth, or fullback positions because you only have three backups there. Plus, you know, you, you might be short in your, your front row or your your second row. You, I mean, if you've got dual positions where you can swap a center wing back rower up to your second row forward spot to cover an injury there for a week or whatever, like that's a different story. But I think if you've only got 20, a squad of 20, you're going to want to have at least six to seven trades minimum, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It it, it it is a big difference. And I think if you've got that 22, you can probably run home with the two or three trades. Yeah, I think that seems to be a, a decent number. Barring, obviously, if, you know, ideally you'd want to have, you know, four or five trades and squad of 22, 23. That'd be ideal. But the reality is, is most of us are probably low on trades because we've gone hard at the buyers or whatever. And yeah, we're pretty much running low on options to finish the year. So I guess that kind of we, we've kind of answered the next question from JShuber85, where he's saying, "Can you survive with zero trades from round 19, but 22 to 23 starters?" So he's actually sent in his team, and it's basically at hooker. He's got Cook and McInnes, front row. He's got Fafita Haas and Fisher Harris with enough. Back row, he's got Jake Turbo, Tamalolo, Madison, Murray, Tauke Aho. Uh, I would assume is enough. Probably could swap Tauke Aho back to front row or something like that and then Jazz Tavanga as his sixth back um, second row then halfback he's got Cleary and DCE he's got Ponga and SJ at 5'8 and then center wing Latrell, Bateman, Marmolo, Gutherson, Toro, Burns and Enough and Teddy Turbo at the back so I guess looking at that I mean he's got full coverage at the four two player positions he's got deep coverage in center wing and back row and obviously uh, the possibility of being able to swap uh, another guy up to the front row forward position. So, I mean, you'd want to still have one or two trades more than just that squad and running home for six weeks or sorry, and running home for seven weeks. But I guess you might get lucky and then might not be that many injuries. Yeah. I mean, you'd be, you'd be watching on with a fair bit of um, nerves praying for no injuries, but I think, Firing injuries, that's a pretty good sign to make a few um, different decisions out of. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. So, I mean, yeah, you can survive potentially firing a mass injury wave in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, it's a pretty pretty deep team. I think you've got good coverage at all positions. So, good luck. <laughs> then the last question from at Rodney Gibson 7. So, he's got 10 trades left. Well done. <laughs> uh, but he's got no cash. He's already got three nuffs in his team, and that's Caleb Aikens. Jared Anderson, who's that center wing, second row forward, enough at the Bulldogs, according to the system. Uh, and then he's also got Josh Kerr, who's um, the front row forward, second row forward player from the Dragons. And then he's got his three worst players, uh, Nikora, Stax, and Ewan Aitken. So he wants to know if it's worth a trade to, uh, is it worth trading down and trading up out of these three players? So I guess out of 25 players, he's got three enough. So he's got a squad of 22 with his three worst players and that 22 being Nikora, Staggs, and Aitken. I mean, I reckon that's clearly a, an obvious yes, 
right? Would you agree? Yeah, if you had trades, I'd probably downgrade. I'd hold Nakora and I'd downgrade um, Stags and upgrade Aiken. Yeah, that seems like the obvious move. Because, I mean, if if those are your three worst players, I mean, that means you've got 19 players better than those guys. So if you enough, um, like, say, say enough Stags and upgrade Aiken, that's, you're going to get 21 players, so 20 keepers, including Nakora as your worst player, for the run home, and you still have eight trades. That's really that's a great squad, I reckon. You'll be well stacked if you got twenty one guns and uh, eight trades in the pocket. Yeah, nice work. All right, so we'll go through some other questions we've been hit up with on Twitter today. So starting from um, Chris at C Togs, uh, is RTS to Turbo on this week? Yes, I think we answered that already. Yeah, straight up for sure. Uh, next question from Rod Walker at Bozza one four eight. Oh, it's worth considering as a pod center wing or too much risk slash roller coaster. It's it's a no from me. I mean, I I I get the idea between going for a pod, but I think there's better ones out there than Oates. Yeah, I mean, you talked about before, you know, wanting those guys of high ceilings. I mean, Oates certainly fits that con, con conversation, but I mean, he's playing for the Broncos right now, and we've seen all season that they're not really an attacking powerhouse. And as much as I love to see that change in the next, you know, next two months, I just don't see it happening at this stage. So I definitely think you're better off going for a pod in one of the top four, you know, attacking teams, which definitely the Broncos are not right now. Next question from at Alex BC Bennett: Thoughts on holding RTS after last week and what to do with Tauke Aho? Oh, uh, kind of talked about RTS already, haven't we? We think. Yeah, which is for me off moving him on, right? Yeah, I think so. Turbo's a no-brainer. And Teddy, I could get why you'd want to hold for maybe for a week for Teddy if you don't have cash and you're trying to um, maximise break-evens. Um, so you could probably you could probably do that, hold RTS and hope Teddy drops. RTS is playing, like we've already mentioned that, he's got a break-even of 54 and he's not, at his favoured ground, so he's not guaranteed to smash his break even considering he he had a pretty poor game against the Titans where everyone thought he was going to smash it. So if I could, I'd probably bring, and this is what I'm doing, I'm trading him to Teddy this week. I don't care about Teddy's break even. I just think he's had a week off coming back from after Origin where he's just brained it and the Roosters are in a bit of trouble. I think he's going to put his hand up and have a massive game. So, yeah, I'd make that trade, and, and I am making that trade this week. For TKO, uh, it's a bit of a toss-up. He's got, I think with he could be a trade-out if, if you've got the trades to do it. He's not a bad hold if you had to, but um, with the he's, he's had a few concussions, and now he's got um, Radley back in, in the middle as well with the return of friend, and... I just don't think he'll be pumping out the same scores. So, yeah, he could definitely be a sell if you had the trades. Yeah. So, firstly, with RTS, uh, I agree. I think moving to Teddy, even though he's got the high break even, might be the play this week. As you said, uh, the Warriors don't go as well outside of Mount Smart. They're playing at Westpac Stadium, uh, which I think is in Wellington. But regardless of where it is, uh, it's not a place where the Warriors play well in usually. It's a shorter turnaround for the for the Warriors, given they played the Broncos late last week. They're playing, you know, second game. Sorry, the first game on Friday. 
this week. So a shorter turnaround. They've just come off a 90-minute game with obviously Golden Point going all the way for the two five-minute halves. So, and he's fresh off breaking the NRL run meters record in a single game. So I can imagine his work rate could be a little bit down this week. And, you know, even though the Sharks aren't lining up with the strongest lineup, given their injuries and everything that's going on for them, uh, I definitely can see a, a, an outcome where RTS doesn't go so well. Uh, and uh, on, on the Teddy side of things, I mean, they're playing this time um, at the SCG. The Knights, you know, ambushed them last last time uh, when they pretty much flogged the Roosters at, in, in Newcastle. But Teddy still scored 90 that game. So, as you say, he's had another week off. The Roosters need a win. They've just lost to the Cowboys and a bit of a shock. So I reckon he's going to come out firing and have a big game. So I'm with you. Uh, I was originally planning to hold RTS, but well, you know, after talking talking to you and thinking it through, I definitely think I'm just let's not miss out on potential Teddy 130 plus score, which means it will hit his break even. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think you're spot on, Takaaho. I'd be selling him, um, even though we originally hoped he could be a hold for the run home. But uh, you know, since then we've seen friend come back early. Um, obviously pushing Radley back into the middle. And last week we saw Friend, he came off the bench, played 58 minutes. Takeaho still only got 33 minutes, which is pretty disappointing. And that's with Cordner wasn't even back in the team. Uh, Butch has been doing a great job without him, uh, sorry, in his spot. And you can imagine that, you know, Cordner's going to come back, walk back into his 80-minute role. It seems that Robbo's set on having Mitch Orbison play 80 minutes on the right edge instead of Angus Crichton, maybe even instead of Butcher. So Butcher's probably going to find himself on the bench. He's playing way too well to be dropped altogether. And you'd think he's going to get some decent minutes off the bench. Angus Crichton was playing 50, 60 minutes off the bench as a middle forward. Uh, but even last week, he he suffered a drop in minutes to just 37, I think. So there's just not enough minutes to go around that Roosters pack if, if Robinson's going to play Cordner and Orbison for 80 minutes on the edge and Radley for 50 and at lock and Friend for potentially 80 minutes or even 65 plus minutes at hooker. Like there's just there's too much too many good players in that squad. Yeah, they've got they've got to do something there. You can't have. Uh, I get it, it's good having good players and good depth, but you can't have guys that are players like them who look like they can play 60 plus minutes sitting on the bench, getting cold. So sometimes you just got to bite the bullet, choose who you think you want, who you want your big minute men, and then look for X factors off the bench to build a team around. And it looks like the Roosters are going to have to make a decision on that in the near future. Yeah, definitely. But either way, I think, yeah, I just can't see a world where Takeaho is going to play more than 45 minutes, even as if, if he's continuing to be the starting prop. There's just not enough minutes to go around there. Um, so next question at Justin1908, uh, would you rather run home with Burns, Nakora, or CNK? It's a tough one. <laughs> um, well, I, I did see a lot of people saying South's had a good run home. They've got the Sharks, and in a few weeks they've got them coming up, and they might get some plays back by then. But even the Sharks without, with like Graham missing and that, they're still a pretty good defensive team. So anyone, and they also face the Roosters in Melbourne. So I, I, I reckon their run home's more up and down than friendly myself. CNK's got a decent, they've got a decent few games, Canberra, but then it um, strengthens right up to finish out. 
And again, the core has got an, an all right run home as well. So if I was chasing big points, you'd have to pick CNK or Burns. Otherwise, if you if you needed a steady player, probably Nakora. Yeah, I think if if you've got to stick with one player for the run home, uh, Nakora is probably the safe option. Burns probably has the best balance between being safe and having some good matchups. Whereas I think CNK, he's got a good month. Well, he's already had one or two of his good weeks. But I mean, Tigers, the Raiders always go well against Tigers, especially at home. Then the Panthers, I mean, the Panthers have suddenly become a really good team compared to where they were at the start of the season, so that's not the easiest matchup anymore. Uh, and then Warriors um, in New Zealand, though, so a bit of a travel. But then their last five weeks, I mean, Roosters, Storm, Seagulls, who are a bit of a defensive powerhouse right now. And then you'd think of a near-full-strength Sharks team. And then last round is the Warriors in Canberra, so a, an easy one to finish with, but that four-week stretch is a bit of a tough one for the Raiders. Whereas, yeah, I do agree, the Sharks have a fairly friendly draw overall. And the the Rabbitohs, I think they have some good matchups. Like, um, I'd love to have Burns for next week where they where he'll be matched up against Ewan Aitken. And then, you know, if, if there's, there's going to be a game where he'll, he'll be up against... I mean, I don't even know which Broncos player would, would be playing up against him by then. But if he's up against, say... Coates, who had a bit of a nightmare last week, uh, I can imagine Burns is going to go pretty, pretty comfortably against him as well. So there's definitely some good matchups for Burns on the way home as well. So uh, if it's someone that you likely have to pay, play each week, I think you're probably best off going with your, um, you know, your Nakora um, option. If you've got someone that you can use for the next, you know, more of the next month than CNK, as you say, you've got the highest ceiling we think out of those options, and then. Burns, um, probably for the balance. All right, and then um, we've got at JRSPLIFF23. He's looking at Pod's back rowers. Um, so who was the better choice out of Josh Papali, Nathan Brown, or Curtis Sirinan? Oh, the way they're playing lately, probably Sirinan. He's been on fire. I mean, <laughs> I wrote for the Telegraph this week, but he's on a five-round average of 85. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. I don't think Josh Papali is an option just because he just doesn't he doesn't really have that ceiling as how oh, he's basically playing as a prop. So I just don't think he's got that ceiling. Nah. Uh, he's not likely to get attacking stats. Nah, and then I mean, and Brown's solid, like, but he's not a someone who's going to get you a massive ceiling either. So as much as it makes me a bit sick to say, I think. If you wanted a a big pod who's shown you can go large, you'd have to go Sirenan. Yeah, but I guess my concern there is the draw's not great, right? Storm yeah. twice and then Yeah, that's yeah. ugly. Yeah. Storm twice and then you run home's not ideal. <laughs> yeah, no, that is ugly. But I mean if you don't like if you're just picking and choosing, I mean I'd be playing him this week up against Para. Uh, at Brookie, probably roll them out against the the Warriors and also probably the Tigers. Yeah, so there's a couple of old matchups where you definitely would p- put them out there. But yeah, as long as you've got cover, so you don't have to play them weekly for sure. Then uh, I think yeah, I agree with you. Lean lean towards Sirenan because um, he's working well with DCE and he's he doesn't look like the same player. Like Des has done some work on him. Whatever he's done, it, it's turned him into a much better player this year. Yeah, he's um. Out of those 
guys that you've mentioned, I think he is he is the best hole runner of the three of them. And I think that's obviously Supercoaches tends towards big attacking plays. So you either need guys like Tamalolo, Jake Trebojevic, who are big workers. Tamalolo obviously has those massive attacking stats in him. But guys who, who are damaging on the edge, like Kikau and, well, Sirenen for now, like players like that, Crichton last year, they're the guys who you look to go for. And Sirenen's been showing on the edge lately that he can do it too. So, he yeah, he does have some all right. You, you could probably play him against... Parramatta twice. You could run him out against Newcastle, the Warriors, West, Canberra being pretty good defensively, but you could give him a run there. So, although it's at GIO, so I'd probably only yeah you could you'd probably sit him for three games, but you could run him the rest of them. I think. Yeah, I think with Nathan Brown, um, I mean he gets the ball play, and that's where he 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 picked up a a try assist this week doing that, um, but. I just don't see it as consistently as obviously what Ciro has been doing. So I definitely think, yeah, it's not the greatest run home, but I, I definitely think you could roll him out. And he's got the work rate up. He's got the offload going. So he's been in good form lately. So, yeah, I think surprisingly, <laughs> Curtis Sirenen. Who would have thought? Oh, mate. All right. <laughs> it's it's uh, been a weird super coach season. Yeah, but thank you that. You can say that again. All right. So at Timothy Butcher, would you bring in Moses or Cleary for the run home? It depends on who I'm getting rid of him for. The way things are going, I'd I'd find it hard not to get Moses in. I mean, we we did go over this. Cleary is probably better in the fact that he can accumulate big scores with little to no attacking stats, where Moses relies a lot on attacking stats, but he keeps getting them. Parramatta keep winning, so it's it's, it's hard to argue against him at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, every time he runs out at Bank West, it seems like he's going to go 80-plus. So uh, at this point in time, definitely Moses. Uh, like you said, we talked about it at length last week. I mean, Cleary has, has had next to no attacking stats and he's still almost averaged 60. Uh, Moses is averaging 65 while having a bucket load of attacking stats. So, you know, that could keep going. Uh, there is some rumour that Cleary's not going to kick this week, or not until he's 100% from his injury. Uh, I don't know how credible that is. It's just something I read, but I, I don't know for sure if that's something that um, has been decided by the club, that he may not goal kick yet, if at all. So, yeah, I think Moses is the safe option. Cleary's the port at the moment. Moses, 22% ownership. Cleary's like 13%, somewhere around there. Um, next question from Luke Hopkins at underscore underscore Luke23. Who do you think of the must-have center wings for the run home? I mean, we pretty much answered this last week, didn't we? Yeah, but like you've got, I'd say pick two. For me personally, it's um, Bateman, probably Nakora, and then Latrell, and then I'll cycle through who I think's got a good matchup. But um, yeah, I, th- I think a good way to do it would be to go even if you went um, Bateman and Luttrell and then have two other guys you'd want to take a risk on if you're chasing a lot of points. But I definitely think Bateman and um, Luttrell you have to have playing weekly. And then the others is just who you think could be good pods. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, it depends where you are in the rankings. If you're up the top and you're trying to preserve a lead or basically if you want to stay in top 10 or top 50 or top 100, whatever your goal is, uh, you 
you're best off running out as with as many of those back rollers or high base options. So yeah, I think Latrell plus Bateman plus some sort of combination of the other two, you know, cycling through other center wings is a good way to play it. Uh, for me, I mean, I've got my center wing right now post-trades. If I end up making the trades I'm going to do, I'll have the Trell, Bateman, Mau, Nakora, and then Gutho and Burns as my fifth and sixth options, which I'll just roll, rotate through based on matchups. So, I mean, most likely, for, for me, most weeks, I reckon I will play uh, Latrell, Bateman, and Mau. Like I said, my, my goal is to steadily climb my way into the top 500. And I think I can do that with those three as my uh, base of my center wing, and then I'll rotate my fourth center wing depending on the matchups, really. So, I mean, I guess from that, probably the only two must-haves, I think, would be Luttrell and Bateman, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, at Manny82A, uh, thoughts on that line break? So, uh, uh, this is about the Jason Tamalolo uh, so-called line break that was taken away on the final review. You know the one we're talking about, right? Yeah. Do you know what? I think this is what's... Uh... It's, it, it's annoys me a little bit about Supercoach that we, and I'm guilty of it too, especially for the players I have, looking for stats that aren't really there, like these little half breaks or whatever it is. I, I just think, like, you, when you watch football and you see someone break through a line and make a five-metre run or whatever, I, I feel like that is a proper line break, not one where, oh, they've got through the line but someone's had a hand on him do you give it to him or not i'd, I'd just like the simple like you could it, it, just the vibe of the thing like you watch it and you know and i think i think that one was too close so i mean i'm i'm i can see why they didn't give it to him but i i also think that and i'd like to see it implemented that one stage i don't know that it will be but rule that if, if so say you make a line break you're running down to score a try and you salute the crowd or you do whatever you're doing and you drop the ball over the line, I'd love to see it so that any stat leading up to that play is null and void. So I don't mind if you make a line break, you throw an offload and then the the person you offload to knocks the ball on. I'd happily see the offload miss, but you keep the line break. But, um, yeah, this... It's just a personal thing of mine. I hate seeing them get stats and end with an error, and the error pretty much takes away everything they've done. So I think that should be replicated in Supercoach, but that's just my opinion on it. So at the end of the day, I I can see why it wasn't given. Is the short answer? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I I argued with people on Twitter about it, but the reality is, is this is the type of line break that, you know, by and large, I mean. To my memory, I don't recall them ever really giving the types of line breaks where people are falling through the line, you know, getting on their knees and, you know, they they get jumped on and tackled shortly after. It just doesn't usually get paid, if at all. Uh, I know that there, there probably will be some, and that's part of the inconsistency that we see. But by and large, this is one of the most consistent stats that they've always been not paying um, when, when the line break isn't clean and when they're... They're not able to keep running um, uh, for a couple of meters, as you say, and, and being untouched. So, I mean, a, a good example maybe even is like what happened last week with the Bronson Sherry line break and triasis. So the reason I think that they paid the line break was because he ran past the winger. He who was eventually, I think he was basically tackled by the fullback. 
before, uh, just right after he passed the ball to Gray. So I think in that instance is where they consider, like he he ran for a good 10, 15 meters. And I think that's why they considered it to be a line break. And it was only, it wasn't someone in the defensive line that tackled him. Um, it was the fullback who, who got there, uh, but obviously he'd passed the ball on and Gray scored. So I think, you know, that's sometimes a marker where if they get through the, or, or the, the def- defensive lines retreated so far that they're basically getting tackled by the fullback. Um, that's sometimes where they do pay the line break as well. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're at the mercy of Fox Sports stats. I can't stress enough that, you know, all the controversy, all the conspiracy about players owned by Tom Sangster and and apparently us uh, and the other, um, you know, Daily Telegraph contributors and stuff like that. Uh, apparently our players are, are looked more favorably upon by the scorers. That's just a load of, you know, bulldust. Fox Sports stats, they, they run their stats for the Fox Sports Rugby League channel and the Rugby League package and their programs that they all do. It's it's nothing to do with Supercoach. Like, Supercoach isn't even on their radar when they're doing the stats. When they're doing the reviews, it's nothing to do with Supercoach. It's purely for their own... You know their own stats gathering for the rugby league analysis that the that the people who talk about rugby league on the shows, you know, that Matty Johns, they they all use the same stats, and, and they're not going to take stats away from like a Cameron Smith or a or give stats to Moses just because people own them in Supercage. Like, I mean, fair enough, have a laugh, but um, if 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 you honestly believe that, you need to come out from underneath your tin foil hat. That's it. Yeah, so look, at the end of the day, I mean, it is a game and it's something that we can't do anything about. I get that it sometimes ruins people's enjoyment of the game and it can be frustrating. But I mean, if you just keep in mind that, I mean, the alternative is they don't do, they don't do live updates, they don't do live scoring. That's back in the old days. We just got scores at the end of a week, right? When we didn't have rolling lockouts, we didn't have the vice-captain loop. I mean, we could go back to those days if people want. Yeah. I, just, I think it's more interesting the way it is now and... You know, for for all the complaints and everything, by and large, I think it's a it's it's a good product. It's certainly not perfect. It could be definitely improved, but yeah, the amount of complaining you you see out there is just uh, sometimes a little bit over the top, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, at the, at the end of the day, like remember, you're there, like, and I still enjoy watching the football anyway. So a super coach score doesn't really ruin the game for me. And if it does, maybe you need to take a step away for a while or something and find a different hobby for a couple of months before you come back and just relax a little bit. Yeah. But I guess uh, they'll probably, yeah, some people probably say it's easy for us to say, right. When we've really, you know, been there, done that, when we've managed to, to jag a win, it's probably yeah. easier for us to speak about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. Anyway, that, that you, you can't do much about it. So you just got to suck it up and go with it. Yeah, and look, I mean, certainly make your make your thoughts known in the off season. Um, I think that's probably the time to really kick up a fuss. But yeah, it is what it is for now. And look, let's finish on a, a more super coach related note. <laughs> so, uh, Tony Alex Howell says, if you had to choose a second row forward uh, between uh, Nathan Brown, uh, David Clemmer, and Cam Murray for the run home, who do you choose and why? So, uh, I mean, Nathan Brown. 506,600, 1% ownership. Dave Clemmer, 522,600. He's got the dual position status and 16% ownership. And obviously Cam Murray, 522,700 and 39% ownership. Even with the ownership, I've got to go Murray just because 
He's shown he can score tries. I'd, I'd, I'd take Murray. And I mean, people look like they might be only running with one second row reserve or maybe two if they want to play it safe. But yeah, I'd take Murray. And if if you're going to do a move like that, you got to play him every week. Take Murray, play him every week, and um, hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably lean Clemmer just because of the dual positioning and just the safe likelihood of scores. And and that probably factors in the fact that, you know, I, I, I've i expected Murray to fade and I get that he's got the attacking upside and he's got the highest ceiling of those three options. Um, but I think if you're picking out of those three, personally, I'll just go Clemmer just for the dual position status and the, the more consistency overall. But I can see the appeal of Nathan Brown with the pod factor, just 1% ownership. But yeah, I think for me, I reckon Clement is going to probably score the most out of those three options for the run home, uh, unless Cam Murray does go a bit nuts with the attacking stats. Someone put the counter on. That'll be interesting. Yeah, we might have to come back to this one when we, uh, yeah, review rounds um, eighteen to the to the to the end. Yeah, Tony Alex Howe. If you um, tweet us at the end and remind us just to review this one, that'd be good because we might forget. Yeah, we do our best to remember, but. Yeah, we do forget from time to time. Um, so we we'll obviously want to wrap it up here. Um, again, thank you for listening. And we appreciate all your reviews on iTunes and, and any other podcast provider. Please subscribe if you want to make sure you get the podcast out as soon as it drops. I know some people sometimes message when it does come in a bit late or whatever. Um, we do our best. And we, we definitely are looking to try record earlier uh, next year. So uh, that that is going to be dependent on on myself being able to do a, do a bit of shuffling at work with work rosters and things like that. Uh, but fingers crossed it'll work out and we can record uh, a day earlier so you guys have a bit more time to listen to our ramblings. I, we did get a question about us, Patreon, um, what, what it really is. And obviously, you know, we do charge a little bit of a, a fee to get involved. I mean, to be honest, it, it's the, the fee is pretty simple. It helps cover our hosting costs for the podcast. Um, plus, obviously, we did purchase some audio equipment to make it basically sound a little bit better and not be so, you know, and to be honest, a bit, a bit amateur was how we started out initially. Uh, so we wanted to make it a bit easier to listen to, and a bit better quality overall. Obviously, for our patrons, we do uh, do an additional podcast each week. Uh, we do some, you know, teams, teamless analysis. And we've got the Discord where, I mean, we talk about it a lot, but there's there's plenty of quality Supercoach chat going on in there. And I know you people have their Facebook groups and things like that. But for us, I mean, it, the, the Discord is a much safer space for it, I guess you could say, because, you know, we don't have trolls in there for starters. That's a that's a real positive thing. And everyone in there is actually helping each other out uh, rather than giving bad advice to some other people, which we do see from time to time. Um, but one thing we did talk about, um, I think what we're going to do, we hadn't really thought about this until more recently, but because we, we basically, we've just got the money sitting there at the moment, we're going to have a chat about what we're doing at the end of the season. But I think what we're going to do is um, donate 10% of um, all the monies paid by our champs towards uh, some sort of charity. Um, we'll, we'll definitely decide and determine what we're going to do at the end of the season, uh, where it's going to go. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a great suggestion from, I think it was Sasha, um, who is uh, involved with the, uh, I know the fanatics group from, from memory. So yeah, hopefully that explains a bit about what we're up to with that and um, obviously where the, the monies are going towards. But, yeah, big shout-out to all of our champs currently. We're, we're hoping to see uh, all of you power on towards the end of the season uh, so they can, you know, 
either finish as close to the top as you can or just, you know, hit some PBs in terms of your head-to-head leagues or your overall rankings. And uh, obviously, if you stick around for next year, we're going to keep pushing to help you improve year on year out. So, yeah, thanks again for listening. Good luck with your trade decisions for this week. Hopefully, you're going to be able to juggle your final remaining trades and and set your teams. Um, I'm going to be going back to struggling to decide which players I'm going to sit this week for my four reserves. Um, I've got some real tough decisions because, like I said, I've got a pretty deep squad and uh, there's plenty of guys I want to play and only four reserve spots. So, yeah, all the best for those decisions and uh, hope you have a good one. See you guys. (laughs) 